Can Delaware State overcome a lackluster offense? But better yet, will they even need to? What D2 HBCU teams made the top 25 poll? And Grambling State is close to naming their quarterback. Oh, yeah. It's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBC Podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBC athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over you can find me on twitter at south exclusives and ah man i'm really terrible on youtube at pointing at this thing this is my biggest flaw on the show (laughs) but follow me on twitter at south exclusives come talk to me dm me tweet me whatever you want to do just talk to me i love talking to you right now we're going to open up our show with a major question and we're going to up later on in this segment with a question and one that's way more intricate and probably much harder to answer directly but i'll go with the simple one first and that that first simple question is can delaware state overcome a lackluster offense now the semantics of saying a lackluster offense instead of that lackluster offense or their lackluster offense is important and i will tell you why as we continue with the show but to answer the question, simply yes. The answer is yes, but I won't just keep it that short. We're going to unpack why we should say yes. I think that the answer that they can overcome a lackluster offense is yes because look at who's on that defense. Look at who is on that defense. All the all MEAC players from preseason, the preseason team, and they can replicate last year's performance. Mind you, Coach was upset because He's looking at their defense like, what do I need to do to get respect? Look at our defense, and you have us as the fourth best team. Now, I'll tell you this. Fourth out of six is bottom half. You don't really want to be fourth no matter how many teams are there. However, fourth out of six is a bottom half team. So we have to understand that, yeah, fourth isn't the worst thing in the world, but who's taking these moral victories? Not coach. Not me, not the Delaware State fans. Who is going to be happy with that? Nobody, not on that side of things. So I think that's important because, yes, it's only six teams, but I'm trying to be top three. I'm trying to be top half. If we're only three teams, then, or excuse me, if we're only six teams, I need to be top three. And I'm with Coach Milstead on that. Now, let's look at who are the all MEAC players on this team. So first team defense, Isaiah Williams. Defense alignment, Ronald Holmes, linebacker, Isaiah Guthrie, safety. You got Matt Noel, the punter, who is an offensive de- or defense, but I'll say this. From the offensive side of things, I don't want to see my punter. I don't ever – if my punter does not do kickoffs, I want my punter to have the same amount of play time as my backup quarterback. 
Because if my punter is consistently on the field and he doesn't do kickoffs, that means I'm punting a lot. That means my offense isn't good. That's not good for me. If I have a strong offense, my punter should never see the light of day. My punter's favorite time of the game should be pregame workouts. That's how good my offense should strive to be, right? I want my punter to be as active as my backup quarterback. That's how I should see it, right? So he's first team. He's a great punter, but hopefully we don't see him a lot if you're on the, the uh, Delaware State side of things. Now let's go to our second team defense. Defensive lineman, Marcus Winfield, linebacker, Brooks Parker, defensive back, Jawayne Granger, defensive back, Charles Peeler. So you're looking at two defensive linemen, two linebackers, three defensive backs. On every single level of the defense, you have multiple all MEAC players. Multiple. This is good because you have multiple defensive linemen can rush the pass. You can stop the run. Def uh, linebacker on that second level. You're going to have people who can patrol behind the line and feel where they aren't at. You can have linebackers who are going to drop in coverage, help your safeties, help your cornerbacks. Speaking of that defensive backfield, they're not going to need much help. Four defensive backs line up in the secondary. Four of them. You have three all MEAC participants coming into the season. This is preseason. This is not based off of last year. This is based off of how good they expect you to be. Three defensive backs. You're looking at a situation where you should have a lockdown secondary. All of these metrics, you have seven defensive players who are all MEAC players coming into the season. You should have a really good defense. So when you have the question of can you overcome that offense, well, the talent would say yes. However, to complicate the question, will you need to? Actually, let, actually, let's back it up. Let's back it up. Let's complicate the answer. Because it also depends on how far you're trying to go and what the offense is going to look, up, look like. The performance does matter. See, let's just say you're going to be a lockdown defense, which the talent says that you can be. Are you going to be able to be a contender if that offense is bad? I don't think so. I think South Carolina State and North Carolina Central have proven themselves at least last year and have built up enough trust that going into this year, they'll be too good for you to be that one-sided. So you got to have at least a decent offense to complicate that answer. There is a little bit of a stipulation on there as well. See, now, if you're just talking about being a good team, yeah, you could be the fourth seed out of six and still be a pretty good team, right? You, you right there neck and neck. However, if you're looking at being a championship contender, I don't think you can do that with simply a strong defense and a lackluster offense. Now, remember, I said that saying a lackluster offense instead of that or their lackluster offense was an important point to realize in the wording of the question. We don't know they're going to be lackluster. This is all prediction, and this is based upon the fact that Coach Milstead is upset. He said, we have a strong defense. Okay, well, they must be down to you because you're offense. And when you look at the lack of amount of offensive players on the all MEAC team, you have two players on second team all offense. That's it. No first team all offense, just two offensive linemen, Dylan Marshall and Brandon Bradford, on your second team offense. And listen, there's only six teams in the conference. So you should have representation on most of these, these, um, these lists. First and second team, you should have some representation. However, they clearly do not expect your offense to be that good. It's reflected in the all MEAC teams. It's reflected in the preseason predictions and standings. 
it's reflected in this. We see how they think about you. Now, the reason I say I don't know is because Coach Milstead has admitted there was inconsistent quarterback play last year, but he also believes in the development. I have not seen the development because I have not been around Delaware State. I cannot speak to or against the development of the quarterback, but I will say this. In order for them to truly contend, they will not, they should not have to overcome a lackluster offense. If they want to be contenders, they should not have to do that. I think they have the ability to do it to be a good team, not to be a great team, um, just because I think you're going to need to put both sides together to be great, not because of the defense isn't good not because of the defense not being good enough, right? So I'll say this. If your quarterback play can be consistent, preferably positively consistent, because you can be consistently bad and nobody really wants that. But if you can be consistently good, they have the ability with the defense that they have to be real contenders. That development on the quarterback play, because that's going to be important. That's the leader of the offense. You need to get that right first. If that is the case and you can develop that way, well, then maybe you can be a championship contender. Going forward, we're going to be talking about two championship contenders that have made the top 25 D2 poll list. They're projected to win their conference and projected to be two of the best teams in Division II football. I'll talk about them going forward. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the best place for all of your wagering. Football season is here. We have one week down in the preseason. We got two weeks left, and now we're going to get into the regular season. Make sure you're putting your money down. If you're a betting person, make sure you're putting your money down on Bet Online. No matter what the game is, they're going to have the best odds for you, right? So that is your number one go-to place for the NFL regular season. But also you have your NBA futures. You also have your NHL. You also have your MLB. There's a big-time combat sports UFC event going on this Saturday between Kamaru Usman, excuse me, and then also Leon Edwards. So this fight, I'm excited for. I'm actually through the roof for this fight. But if you're going to put your money down on it, there's only one place to do it. It's bet online. Not only because they're the most versatile, but mostly because they are the fastest and easiest. What a wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. We keep rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU at night. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day and allow me to give you the word of the day, which is dilatory. And shout out to my guy, Dilly Sanders, who, if you remember, he came on to preview the LSU women's basketball game versus Jackson State. And he just got a nice little upgrade, nice little job for 27, excuse me, 24-7 sports. So shout out to my guy, Dilly Sanders. Um, go tell him congratulations on Twitter. So, but the word dilatory, right? That means tending or intended to cause delay. We'll get into that later in the show because we have an example of what could be some dilatory rhetoric. However, we're going to talk about Bowie State and Albany State, who both have made the D2 top 25 poll. And for me, I just like to lock in the storylines. I've, I've noticed that about myself. I peep the storyline and I like to watch it develop. How does it transpire? How do things change? What happens, right? I did the same thing with Savannah State last year in women's basketball and it paid off majorly. I was very excited for the uh, Savannah State Benedict SEAC championship game in women's basketball. And sometimes it doesn't pay off. Sometimes it just... You watch the storyline and nothing changes. You go a month later and it's just what it is. But 
I've noticed that about myself, that I enjoy looking and watching how these storylines change and actually checking them out. And I like talking about them on the show. So with that being said, that offseason storyline for me, especially in the month of June and beyond, has been the fact of what is the perception of Bowie State from the media, from the coaches, and we've seen differences in it. So I'd say this is one that's kind of paying off. We'll, we'll see if if it'll be what it'll be when the season starts, of course. But all offseason talk is really perception. When you give these projections and these predictions, you're really giving your per- perception of these people, right? It's a lot of pros in there, but you're really giving your perception of these teams and these players and, and these coaches when you're talking about your preseason projections and predictions. So I'm not going to make it overly deep. I'm just saying you're indirectly saying this is how you view a team. If you think they're going to be good, if you think they're going to rank high, you're saying, I think they're good. Right. So this the perceptions are all around in offseason. That's kind of for the most part, all we have to talk about, because it's not much that's concrete. Because if it's not a quarterback battle, if it's not something you're looking for in, in offseason practices, you're probably looking towards the season and all of that is projections. So we're talking about the perception of Bowie State. So with that being said. It's funny to me how the differences between the pollers and then the coaches within the conference. It's so different. But anyway, you're losing your head coach in Damon Wilson if you're Bowie State. You're losing some key contributors, right? You had a couple of defensive backs go to Southern. You had your head coach go to Morgan State. You're losing some players. You're losing some, you're losing a coach. You lost your defensive coordinator as well, who went to Alabama State until he went to Bowie State, or excuse me, went to Morgan State to follow Coach Wilson. So you're losing a lot of people, but you're not losing a lot of status in this. Now, if you remember, we we read off the Lindy's poll that was, I think, like two months ago. But that was a little bit outdated. That was just a little bit outdated because I believe they had players on there who had already transferred out. It's my opinion or my recollection that that was the case and that they already did it and they just had to put it out. But this came out around the time that Coach Wilson had left shortly after. So. They were ranked number seven in that poll. Here, they're ranked eight. So it's very close. It's very close. I'll say this. It is a testament and likely because of the continuity that people truly do believe in Bowie State. And we talked about how the CIAA coaches, there was a little bit of a discrepancy. It wasn't so much confidence that Bowie State was going to be this dominant force that they had been over the last three years. There was a little bit of doubt. There was a lot of first place votes that didn't go to Bowie State. They were very close. I think they had a couple of third place votes. I can't prove that, but that's what I think when I'm looking at the scores and and things of that nature. So them still being number eight on this list, I think is actually pretty good. So I can't knock that at all. You're looking at a top 10 team and we'll see when you go into the season at the end of the year. If you're a top 10 team, you likely feeling like I can compete for this championship. They finished at six last year after being in the semifinals. So we're looking at one of the better teams in the country. Still, even without their coach, even without some of their players, they're stacked with talent. They're still bringing back a coach who is familiar with the roster, and the, and the roster is familiar with him. It goes both ways, right? It's mutualistic. We're a fan of this. I, I like the, the expectations being lumped upon them. Now, with that being said, let's move into a, another champion, and that is Albany State. So with Albany State, They were the champions last year, the SEAC. They're expected to be the champions this year again. They have that in common with Bowie State. However, they're in the same exact place 
for the AFCA, which is the poll that we're talking about now, they're in the same exact place as they were to end the season. There's no move backwards. That's a bonus. But there's also no move forward. So it's kind of like half full, half empty. I'll allow you to take it how you want to take it. But they're 19. When we're talking about the Lindy's poll that we talked about two years ago, they came in, or excuse me, they're 18 now. They came in at 19 in the Lindy's poll. So you're looking at both of these are very, very close. They're basically one apart. So the Lindy's poll is pretty accurate or pretty, I almost like accurate because we really don't know, but it is pretty close in comparison to the AFCA um, poll. Now, you look at Albany State, you're looking at return of the defensive player of the year last year. You have the preseason offensive player of the year this year. You're likely looking at a dominant team. That sets up to be one of the teams that's a force and can just run through their conference. Obviously, time will tell what happens. Anything could happen, right? I don't want to wish ill upon anybody, so I'm not going to say that and put that in the air. But things can happen. We'll just leave it at that. Now, two other HBCU teams got votes here. We're talking about Fayetteville, excuse me, Virginia Union and Shaw, not Fayetteville State. And to me, this is representative of the differences between the AFCA, which is the Polars, and the CIAA, which is the conference. We're just going to say Polars and conference so we don't get into the war of alphabets. That can just be confusing, and I start stumbling, and now you confused because I'm stumbling, and nah, we're not doing that, okay? So <laughs> let's, just, let's just keep it with Polars and conferences. So the Polars have a higher view of Bowie State than the conference. The Polars say Bowie State's a top 10 team. The conference says, we're not quite sure. We think they'll win the conference, but we're not even quite sure that they're going to win the conference. We'll see who's right about that. The Polars say that Fayetteville State is at best the fourth best team within the CIAA because Union and Shaw are both in that conference along with Bowie State. So that puts Fayetteville State as the team who didn't get any votes to be in the top 25 at fourth at the worst. Now, the conference says that Fayetteville State is the second best team and a very close second to Bowie State. The discrepancy and the differences between these two ways of thinking are very interesting. Hopefully at the end of the season, we can reflect upon this. And when I say we can reflect upon this, I'm saying hopefully in December, three months later, my mind is still thinking about what, what the preseason projects going to be. Fingers crossed. I, I don't have the best memory, but fingers crossed I can do it. Um, but yeah, I'll be interested to see who's closer to being correct. It'll probably be somewhere in the middle. We'll watch that going forward. But also, we're going to talk about Grambling's quarterback battle. It's almost solved, according to Hugh Jackson. And even if it's not completely situated going into the season, they have a defense that can at least be a safety net. We'll talk about that going forward on Locked on HBCU. We wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU talking about the Grambling quarterback situation because they are in a quarterback battle, a five-man race, but they also just had a scrimmage, right? Because we're in fall practice, and they just recently had a scrimmage. So fans were allowed. There's a lot of things you can take from a scrimmage, a lot of things you can take from a practice. Anytime fans get to see practice, they get to, they get to make their own observations. They get to come to their own conclusions. They don't have to depend on what the writers are writing. They don't have to depend on what the digital media and the podcasters are saying. Now you can at least at the worst 
come up with your own conclusions. But here's the thing about practice. You have a lot of things you can take away. There is a lot of things you can take away from practice in the sense that I can look at that way and that way and that way and that way. Sometimes you got to narrow your focus and just put some blinders on. And that's what we're doing here. And we're coming away with our two takeaways that both kind of converge into a central theme. And that's the quarterback position. So here's the quarter. Here's the two takeaways. One, the quarterback battle is soon to be resolved. They're soon to name a starter. And then two, the defense can hold the team down this year. Like I said at the beginning of the segment, it is a five-man race. Whew. Now, I love five. Nothing's greater than the five, but I also don't want any more quarterbacks added to this battle. Five feels a little bit excessive to me, but you're trying to find the best guy, so it's no such thing as excessive. I just wouldn't want a five-man quarterback battle. This is a huge race for quarterback or quarterback one, right? Because I mean, that's the leader of your team. I, I don't know if there's any way to understate how important the quarterback position is. Now, let's talk about what Coach Jackson, Coach Jackson had to say because I wasn't at that scrimmage. I wasn't present, right? So I can only go based off of what do the coaches say. Can't tell you what my eyes saw. So here was Coach Jackson said. Here's what Coach Jackson said. Excuse me. I think we're where we need to be at this point. We've got to name a quarterback soon at some point of time here because I think that's what it takes to take the team over the top. Somebody they can go follow and believe in, and we're getting closer to that. I fully agree. Like I said, I'm not a fan of five uh, players. It's likely a three-man race. I refuse to believe that all five are right there together. There's got to be a group of three, maybe two, that are just standing out more than the others. I refuse. If there's five people clumped together, you either have the greatest quarterback room of all time or you might have the worst because there shouldn't be five players all on equal footing. And I've heard relatively good things that the players have been playing well. So um, I, it's my likely thought. It's just my suspicion. There's three players in there who are standing out more than anybody else. Here's another part of the quote that he said about the quarterback position or the quarterback battle specifically. He said, today there were some good things and there were some throws I wanted to jump on some people about. But at the same time, there were some plays that were made, and that's all you ask for. They didn't turn the ball over, and that's really important. Now, he says that when speaking to the fans who saw some throwaways, and they might think it's a bad play, but it's not. It's actually a good play. It's actually the play that they want. Now, this could be a dilatory coach speak. This could be some dilatory coach speak where you're just – and we know coach speak when you hear it. I mean – it's not a lie. It's just, mm, we're just going to keep pushing this down. Like we're just going to keep pushing this question away. We'll find out. We'll be here. It's just, it's just little things where they're not really trying to give you much of an answer. Right. So they'll name a quarterback when they name it. Hopefully he's telling the truth about it being sooner because I do believe that going into week one, like the start of week one, you don't want to still be wondering or have the team wondering who that quarterback's going to be. You just don't. Preferably you would like to have it a full week before the season so i'm looking at next monday i guess because you have this saturday next saturday and then the saturday after that they're gonna be playing football so yeah i'm looking at monday i want to know who the grambling starting quarterback is by monday let them have two weeks to be the leader because being a leader is a part of being a quarterback so let them be the leader let them do what they do and let the team rally behind them now that being said if they don't get the answer right, because obviously this is a close battle. Nobody is pulling away. I can say that firmly with absolutely no knowledge, insider knowledge. 
nobody's pulling away. If anybody were to be pulling away, you would either A, hear about it, or B, you would already have a quarterback name. You might have somebody who's taking a step away from the pack, but nobody's pulling away, right? I still think it's probably three quarterbacks in general who are just up there. And, you know, you'll see that, but they call it a five-man race because they got five people in there. So that being said, if you don't get it right the first time week one, you have the opportunity to change. You don't want to change too much because that means your offense is doing very, very bad, especially if you get to week six, seven, and you're changing quarterback still, and it's not because of injury, you're not happy with your offense, and you're likely not winning a lot of games. So you have that. But until you get it figured out in the first two weeks, maybe, you still got the defense. And with the defense, this is what he had to say. I think the strength of this team is our defense. The defense is the heartbeat of this team. We had some very, or we have some very talented players over there that everybody knows and they're really coming on. That's much more believable to me. I can buy that much more than we're figuring out. It just sounds, I, I have less doubt or less belief that this could be coach speak than the other way around. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. If the defense is the heartbeat of the team, then that likely means that the defense can be a safety net in case you have to experiment with the offense at the beginning of the season. Once again, you probably don't want to do that more than two, if we're being very generous, three games. But the defense can hold it down, and they can hold you down to a, to a couple of victories. And just a couple of victories is all that you're looking for out of the defense to start the year until the offense starts to get his legs underneath them and actually begins to produce, and they begin to move the ball and they begin to win some games for you you don't want to depend on your defense to win all the games and your offense is just up in the air for the full season that's not a good look so here's to hoping that grambling has their defense intact and this isn't coach speak and hopefully they just figure out who their quarterback is going to be whenever it comes out i will be here to cover who that quarterback will be for grambling the grambling state tigers so i appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day Every day for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out our conference shows like Locked on ACC, Locked on SEC, Locked on Big 12, and Locked on Pac-12, excuse me. They're putting up some great content for the Power 5 conferences, so go check them out. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. Now, on tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about the Morgan State Wrestling Head Coach. They will be starting up their program in 2023, and they have found a man to head the program. In the meantime, in between time, like I'm saying, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusive. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.